When I talk to property investors, they often tell me using debt is a key advantage over other asset classes. In the stock market, using debt is often called gearing. The new BetaShares Wealth Builder Funds, ASX ticker symbols G200 and GHHF, offer moderate gearing across Australian and global shares for investors who are comfortable with the higher risks associated with gearing their investments. You can discover how they work by visiting betashares.com.au. Please don't forget that gearing magnifies gains and losses, so read the relevant PDS and TMD on the website and consider if the fund is right for you. BetaShares Capital Limited is the issuer. Is there a Spotify wrapped for investing? If you want to invest in shares or ETFs, our friends at Perla are more than one step ahead of the curve. On average, people who use Perla invest $1,750 every month. That's what we want to see, proper dollar cost averaging. With automated investing tools making your life simple, Perla investors have well and truly mastered the art of investing small bits lots of times. So if you're ready to start growing your net worth in 2024, follow the link in your Spotify or Apple podcast player right now to discover how you can get started today. Welcome to the Australian Finance Podcast. I'm Kate Campbell. And I'm Owen Rask. And we're here to give you the tools and knowledge to invest both your time and money better. If you're new, feel free to jump in with our Starter Pack series that aired in early 2022 or our Shares or ETF mini series. We've got plenty to share with you in today's episode, but if you want to catch us on socials, head to Rask Australia on Insta and Twitter. I'm also found at Kate Campbell AUS on Insta. And I'm Owen Rask AU on Insta. Just beware of the fake accounts. We'll never DM you about trading strategies or crypto. And if it sounds a bit weird, it's probably not us. And just one final heads up before we get into the show. This podcast contains general financial information only. Caroline, welcome to the studio in Melbourne and onto the Australian Finance Podcast today. Thanks very much, Kate. It's a pleasure to be here. Tell me about future generation. You've got a pretty exciting role there. Oh, I, I love my role. I mean, I've been CEO now for a, a year and a half, and admittedly, it's been it's been incredibly exciting, but it's also been quite volatile in terms of the markets. So, Future Generation is is two listed investment companies, and basically, what they do is one invests in global equities and one invests in Australian equities. But the really unique thing about Future Generation is you get investment returns and social returns, and to maybe sort of take that a little bit further, we we have a number of fund managers who work for us managing shareholder money and they work free of charge. So there are no performance fees and there are no management fees. And because of that, we can then give 1% to not-for-profits. So there you have the investment returns to our shareholders whose money we manage and you also have the social returns because we're giving 1% every year to Australian not-for-profits in the youth space. And for not-for-profits, that is absolutely amazing because it means they can actually do what they're really good at and not go out and fundraise all the time. So when you invest in a future generation lick, you are not paying a management fee, but you're paying a management fee in sorts because that money is going to charity. 
Yes, that's exactly right. So even though you don't pay management fees or performance fees, which is is really incredible, um, that 1% does go to not-for-profits and that's 1% of our total net assets. So approximately 13 million a year. And since inception, we've given over 65 million. So it's an incredible amount to not-for-profits in Australia. That is a huge amount of money. It must be quite crazy to manage that much money. Ah, I mean, uh, in terms of in terms of our shareholders' money, I don't manage that money. We actually have thirty three fund managers that do that, spread between the two licks, and you know they are the best boutiques in Australia and globally, and they all have skin in the game. So they manage our shareholder money in their main portfolio. So they do what they're really good at, which is making returns, and at the same time, we then can take that one percent from our net assets to actually give to our not-for-profits. So you're working with a lot of fund managers and a lot of organisations. Can you tell me what a day in the life of Caroline Gurney looks like? Uh, every day is different. Um, I mean, I, I've just done a roadshow for shareholders. So I've been, for the last three weeks, I've been sort of travelling, you know, Perth to, you know, to Hobart, to, to Noosa, obviously Sydney and Melbourne. And talking about what we do. And when when we go on tour, we always take a not-for-profit with us and we take one that's local so that it knows and so people understand and they can really, you know, understand what the not-for-profit is talking about, but also empathise in a way with with the need there is in Australia. And we also take a fund manager. So a typical day probably would be talking to a fund manager, talking to one of the members of our investment committee, um, and then maybe talking to a not-for-profit, but but not all the time because, you know, all these people have jobs they need to do. But I speak to shareholders a lot. We've got, you know, more than 15,000 shareholders and we are very... uh, proactive with them and and we like to know what they think and a lot of them you know cost of living everything mm. that's happening at the moment it's really good to be able to talk to them to understand you know why they invest with us and, and why it's important to them unpacking that a little bit why do shareholders invest with future generation and choose to um, add this to their portfolio when they could potentially just donate the money directly themselves? That's a really good question. I mean, I I like to think that people go with future generation because if you look at, for instance, the, the Australian lick, future generation Australia, you actually get you know, a number of brilliant fund managers managing your money. And there's a variety of you know investment styles within that particular lick. And then you actually get the benefit of being able to decide where the 1%, your 1%, which not-for-profit it goes to. So we're quite democratic in many ways. (laughs) So every shareholder has the opportunity to decide which not-for-profit, but they also get those investment returns. So for example, you know, we can't give investment advice, but if you're if you're sort of 23 and 25 or whatever, and you're you're earning a wage, if you put away a little bit of money every month into a lick or an investment, not only are you getting a return for your future, but you're also giving to not-for-profits that really need your money. So you know, even if you invest a thousand dollars, every little bit makes a difference, and I think. We all know at the moment that there is a huge crisis in terms of mental health in Australia. And I think coming through COVID, you know, what's happening with living conditions as well, people really want to talk about it and they all want to do something about it. So we, we're getting more interest, which, which is really fantastic. 
I'm really interested to hear more about how you choose the organisations and how shareholders vote a little later. But on the fund manager side, how does how do you choose which fund managers are involved? Because I know in Australia there is quite a lot of options available for you to choose from. That no, there are. I mean, we we very we actually have two investment committees. So we have an investment committee for Future Generation Australia and an investment committee um, for Future Generation Global. And these investment committees are made up of individuals of great financial minds, from like Jana Morningstar, the founder of Zenith. Um, and a number of others and some fund managers as well. And what they do is they look at they look at what's happening externally in markets and they decide what kind of allocation we should be giving to each each fund manager and which and what kind of fund manager we should be giving the money to. So for example, whether it's long equities, whether or not it's you know absolute bias, just so you get that diversification within the portfolio, which is which is really important. Say for the, you know, the global portfolio, we've got 15 fund managers there. And and it's it's a real balance um, of who manages how much and what kind of style they invest with. So it's something they spend an awful lot of time on getting that, you know, investment style diversification right. Because you want to make sure that you give, you know, your shareholders um, a return, but you also want it to be less volatility than the market. And to the Portfolios take uh, ethical considerations because we talk a lot about ESG, environmental, social governance factors on the, the podcast. Do they, the portfolio managers, look at this as well when they're investing? So in terms of the portfolio managers, I mean, every fund manager, as you would know, always has its own lens of how they invest. So for me, SG is very much a framework and it's how you use that lens to invest your shareholders' money, but also what mandate you have. But the way I like to think about what we do is that we are sort of the S. We are the fund manager's S in that ESG. Obviously, we have very good governance. The fund Mm. managers do as well because that's expected in Australia. Australia. But I, I really feel that we make that social impact because we're giving you know, 12, 13 million a year to these amazing not-for-profits and they create the social impact. Mm, that's an interesting way to look at it. So the fund managers are potentially using future generation to support their social contribution to Australia. I, I think that is a good way of looking at it. I also think that the fund managers are brilliant at what they do, and they're doing what they're really good at, and and you know they're they're foregoing you know a huge amount of fees every year, so we can actually make that investment. Yeah, and what about the current charities that you support? Uh, are you able to explain what ones you currently support, and yeah. then a bit about how you choose them? So we have 24 not-for-profits okay, that we so maybe support not at the list moment. <laughs> I'm not going to go through every single one of them. But if you invest in Future Generation Australia, you're actually giving money to youth at risk. And that is, you know, that will be a not-for-profit that, you know, helps, you know, young people that are homeless or it's helping, you know, young people learn music at schools, which often isn't taught nowadays, or it's helping young people in school in terms of their mentoring or, um, you know, you know, 
young people who you know have trouble learning in terms of some of the schools that we support as well. But maybe if I can take you through the example of um, Future Generation Global, because we actually there, we invest in not-for-profits that are about mental health mm. prevention and well-being. Mm. And we recently just changed our, our social investment policy in terms of our strategy there. What we did was we basically went out to the whole of Australia and we said, we're looking to invest in um, you know, prevention of mental health because it's such a huge issue, massive issue in Australia. And we got back 170 applications for expressions of interest. And every single one of them are really, we wanted to give money to, like they were really incredible. Mm. And we got it down to 40 and that then it was really, really hard to choose. And we brought it down to 14 because what we wanted was not for profits that could work together could leverage off each other and also we could measure their social impact. Mm. So we the ones we support are spread across the whole of Australia. You know, geographically they're rural, you know, they don't have that much government funding at all. And the way I look, like to look at it, it's like, you know, with the fund managers, they invest in these companies that have got significant runway to make profit growth. And for us, in terms of the not-for-profits, we want to invest in them now so we can help them succeed for the future. And um, it's it's really amazing what Australia is doing in prevention of mental health. It's, it's really incredible. So it's been an amazing process to go through. I like the way you look at it because you're thinking about how can I support this organisation long-term, not just maybe a one-off cash injection, but also how do you measure the social impact? Because as investors, we talk about measuring our performance and are we actually making a difference if we're trying to be active investors? Are we outperforming a benchmark or not? And I'd love if you could explain more about that measurement side of things because I think that's quite interesting. I, I, you're right, and it is incredibly hard. I mean, we, we are working now with two specialists and we um, have our theory of change and we're working out how to measure. So with these new not-for-profits, what we're doing is we're asking them, you know, what they would like to measure against because yeah. we don't believe in, you know, collecting data for the sake of collecting data. Yeah. You only collect data that you can actually use appropriately. So... I think, well, we are on track to actually be able to measure that social impact against the criteria that the not-for-profits want to measure against. So it, it will be anything in terms of, you know, number of young people help, number of classes they've run, mm. number of, um, you know, cases that, you know, have, have not necessarily worked successfully, but in terms of where they've actually had, you know, a, a great deal of benefit for, for those young people. And that's something hopefully we'll have probably by this time next year, whereby we can say, just like we've outperformed by you know 3%, the index will be able to say, this is the impact we've actually made. And nobody has done it really well, and we're trying to do it, and we'll be one of the first that would have done it with 14 not-for-profits. So it is a huge undertaking. Mm. Like We're a really small organization, <laughs> and I would say the majority of us are working on it, but we really hope to get there. I think you're right. To be able to measure the impact will be will be really important, not only for mm. us and our shareholders, but also for the not-for-profits. Yeah, because I can pres I imagine that creating customised benchmarks for all these organisations because they're all doing slightly different things in that mental health prevention space takes quite a bit of time. And then how do you measure that and how do you pro provide supporting documentation as well? Because I'm presuming your shareholders want to see that you've 
gone through like a proper process with all this? Yes, I mean, I think before we used to say we have run X and X number of courses through libraries for yeah. X, X number of young people, you know, and that has had this effect. But now we'll be able to really get down to the nitty gritty of what the impact has been. And I'm really looking forward mm. to actually um, working out exactly how, how, how the results are because it's difficult and it takes really time consuming and it's a lot of data. Yeah, but I guess on that flip side, it is good to see the impact, especially for people investing in future generation, to see the impact that their money is having and for the fund managers as well. But would do you say that impact measuring impacts always important or there are there's sometimes when you should be supporting organizations that you can't always measure the impact? I I'm not sure I have a really strong view on that. I I really believe you should give where there is a need mm. and I really believe there's a need in terms of, you know, prevention of mental health in Australia and I just think in terms of the productivity commission and everything's been happening we know that but I really like the idea of giving being um, systematic yeah. like, you know, a, a sort of process in place. I think Australians and are really, really like good, and they should give when there's, you know, when there's flooding or when there's, you know, being being fires. And I think we're really good at that. But I think that's very emotional in terms of the way we give then. Mm. So I think the idea of having some kind of system to invest into, you know, not-for-profits in this country and the social fabric is really important. Yeah, and I think it's that having, for the organisations, having that regular stream of money as well, because I know a lot of them say that they do want people to put on regular contribution or regular donation plans. I'm getting stuck in investing jargon here, but so they know they've got some consistent cash flow and they can commit to programs and communities. Well, that's just exactly what you said before and the fact that, you know, we invest for the long term. Mm. I mean, for many of our not-for-profits, when since inception, which is eight years now, um, we've actually been, you know, we've been giving them for that period of time. And I think if you can give, you know, not-for-profits that guarantee they're going to get funding, it, it just really helps them. Like it helps them concentrate on what they're doing and their strategy rather than going out as somebody would express it as like with their begging bowl. The other thing that I think is really important that we do is we actually don't tie our funding. So we don't say it can only be done for this. We really believe that, you know, the not-for-profits actually know exactly what they need to do. Mm. And so we say, well, what do you need the money for? Use it that way. Yeah. And that's been, you know, it's been some real education working with them to say, you know, what do you need it for? And they'll be like, well, we need it for a fundraiser or we need it for IT. And we're like, we'll use it for that. Mm. But it's very, be, always been a really hard ask for them to do that. And in terms of the social impact measurement, we're paying for that. That's yeah. something we do because I think it's, I think personally, it's unfair to give a not-for-profit, you know, it's a, a donation and then say, but I actually want the measurement back for that, which costs them a lot of money. Mm, especially if you're getting it done independently and mm. having to pay for all of that, I can imagine it's quite costly. But if we're looking a little bit more broadly about giving and philanthropy in Australia, what do you think the role of that is in organisations? Should we be considering how we can help organisations in our local community more or should we be looking more broadly? I think I think it's all personal choice. I mean the way the way we look at it is we wanted to make sure we were across Australia. You know, we have shareholders across Australia and we wanted to um 
you know, do things for the benefit of all Australians um, and include, you know, regional areas which often don't get a lot of funding. But also I do think that there's a lot of amazing work being done in, you know, regional, regional Victoria, for instance, and that if we can get the learnings from that, then hopefully we'll be able to, you know, you know, apply that somewhere else or another organization will say, oh, that works there. Let's work, let's let's see if it works over there. I, I think it's really what interests you as a person. Um, but I do think that if you have healthy individuals, you have a healthy community and then you have a healthy economy. So I really feel they all work together. And I think, you know, a lot of rural Australia does need a lot of help. Mm. Are there any, if someone was looking at a few organisations and say they had $100 they wanted to donate this year, are there any sort of factors that you would look at if you were personally donating some some money? I, I think... I mean, I, in terms of my my donation giving, it's it, it's quite structured mm. in terms of what where where I want to do. But I I really love the idea of investing where you live. I think that's really important. Mm. I think that, and if something where you want to go and volunteer, where you want to go help as well. Like, yes, give $100, but if you go help that organization, that's really amazing as well, because so many of them need volunteers. They need people on the ground. I think that we can all do a little, and I think it's encouraging people to get started, which is which is really important. But yeah, like, if you, if you love IT, then maybe you want to invest in an app, you know. So for example, one of our not-for-profits is Smiling Mind, which is a mental health app and it helps people manage, you know, you know their mental health. Maybe, maybe donate to them, you know, or, you know, or reach out. I mean, there's so many great not-for-profits. I, I personally think if, if you invest in something you believe in or that's relevant, then you're going to continue to be involved with them. Mm, and there's a lot of research that shows that giving to others and giving to charities does add a little bit of happiness to our life. And especially the research actually has sort of developed on this saying that if you know the impact of where your money goes, it's not just a a faceless organisation that actually um, encourages you to donate more in the future, which is really interesting as well. I know know that a a lot of my friends have had mentoring at at school and they want to give back to those organisations and there's some fantastic mentoring organisations that work in schools. And if you can give back to them when you can, I I think that's, you know, sort of pay it for me is a bit pay it forward, but I think that's a really good thing to do. Yeah. And are there any other big social issues that if we're looking to give with our wallets or with our time that we should be looking at as individuals? It's very, I think it's really personal. I mean, I think there, I mean, there's a mental health crisis in Australia. Mm. You know, all of us have talked about our mental health. I mean, you're seeing, you know, women between the age of 16 and 24 in the last 12 months have sort of said that, you know, they've experienced depression or some form of drug use or, you know, various other factors as well. So I think it's really serious. And I think young people are really strong and, you know, have so much to look forward to and to do. And I think that if we can help them, you know, get learn, you know, get resilience mm. and help them through, um, I think that's really important. Like for me, education is a paramount, like financial literacy, all of those things, they're where we can actually help the future. You know, that for me really resonates, but I think it has to be what resonates for you. 
Yeah, there's a lot of resources as well. I know we've spoken to some people from the Smith family before on the podcast and the life you can save. They take slightly different approaches and look at different issues, but there are a lot of organisations there. One of the questions I don't know if you'll be able to answer because it is, again, very personal, but as someone who looks at investing for a long-term horizon but also donating to organisations with a long-term horizon, there's often that question on balancing current you versus future you. So a lot of people listening are investing for a 10, 20, 30-year goal and potentially not considering donating as much now because potentially they can help more people and have a greater impact down the long term. But because people need the money now, how do you approach that balance? I think, I mean, I agree. I agree. I agree with both of those. I think for me, if you can invest for the future and you can actually make a, a you know a donation to a not-for-profit, that's incredibly powerful. I mean, listed investment companies are are long-term. They're long-term investments. Mm. They're not something to trade in and out of at all. And I think that because you're not being charged performance fees or any kind of management fee, and every everybody works pro bono, like the boards work pro bono, our investment committee, you know, and all of our service providers. So in a way, and I, I'm not giving advice, I, I like I like the model. I like the model whereby you get a, you get that investment return and whether that's going into your super or whether it's going, you know, wherever, um, and giving that sort of social impact piece. I, I think that's really powerful. And I love the fact that it's a model that can be easily replicated as well. So I think the if if the government, if in terms of the, you know, in terms of doubling philanthropy by 2030, if they can make vehicles like these and others easier to invest, if there's some kind of incentives, I think it would make a huge difference, not just to investment returns, but also that social impact if you have models like this. Has anyone replicated your model in Australia yet? Well, it's interesting you, you say that because obviously, you know, Future Generation was the first, mm. but then you have HM1, which was coming out of Hearts and Minds. Okay, yep. They set that up. And, and Jeff Wilson, who is our founder, he's also on the board of that and helped mm. them set that up. But yes, I mean, it could easily be done in property. It could easily be done in fixed income. I mean, it, it's it's a fantastic model and it's and we would help anybody set another one up. Now, I know you've been running a podcast as well, Twofold. I was wondering if you could explain a little bit about the backstory behind that show and maybe some of those interesting guests you've spoken to recently. Oh, I'd be happy to. I mean, it doesn't anywhere near have the reach that yours does. Um, We wanted to interview really and talk to generous Australians, Mm. um, people that had made a difference. And so we brainstormed and we decided to call it twofold and it's the number two and then fold. And the idea of that was we're all about investment returns and social returns. So that was our two our twofold purpose. And so we decided to call it twofold and it was more about you know, you know, um, social returns. And we went out to interview people that had made a difference. So my very, very first one was Natasha Stockdespoyer, who obviously is an amazing woman. She she lives in Adelaide. She was one of the first women in the Senate. She then became you know, Australia's ambassador for women. And now she also is at the United Nations representing um, young women affected by violence. So 
she has an amazing story. She's really caring individual. So that was our first one. And since then, we've had Tim Minchin, who obviously wrote um, Matilda and is an actor, an author, a filmmaker, you know, many, many other things as well. And we spoke to him for a fairly long time, which we had to get down to 30 minutes. Um, but he's, you know, has a really interesting view about structure giving and the idea in terms of for profit and for purpose and the fact that they shouldn't be exclusive from mm -hmm. one another. Um, and, and that, you know, I mean, I love the fact that so many people have a view on giving and it's really powerful to talk about how they give themselves. So um, Tim, for instance, every time he does a, a concert or any kind of um, event, he will actually sell a number of those tickets and he'll have a higher price and then he'll donate that money to the local community into a not-for-profit so whether mm -hmm. it was fires or wherever he's played and that for him is a very systematic view of, of giving um, we've also interviewed michael cheney who is the chairman of west farmers um, was chairman of nab you know one of australia's most successful businessmen and obviously he is actually um talking about the voice and and, and yes um, and he talked about why it was important for him um, to recognise the voice. And he also talked about inflation. He talked about the minimum wage. He Bit talked about businesses. But, you know, like his view, he's incredibly insightful. He's mm. seen a lot. He's done a lot. And um, he's been very generous with his time. He's been Chancellor of, you know, West Australia University and a number of other things as well, which is obviously philanthropic. Um so yes, we, we've we've done we've done a few, and um, I, I find I love the conversations. Yeah, and now we're going to we're doing actually our fund managers now, and we're going to be doing a not for profits just you know to talk about their stories, and say for example Jane Rowe from Maribel. I mean she's based in Melbourne. She's an amazing woman in terms of her not for profit here. Um, you know why does she set it up? Why is it why is it still needed? Mm. And it's really interesting how you with podcasts and videos and resources now you can bring the whole thing alive. So people aren't just donating to organizations that they might just view the website of once they can hear the stories they can hear who they're helping they can even hear from who's managing their money which is a fantastic resource for people thank you i think i think it, the more you talk about something the more you can understand it and it's just really engaging to talk to somebody that actually you know walk walks the talk <laughs> what is the biggest lesson you've learned yourself from your role running Future Generation? That's a really hard one. I mean, I, I've never spoken to so many shareholders before. I mean, I came from investment banking <laughs> and, um, you know, talking to them about, you know, their lives. Mm. Um, a lot of them as well, like, you know, the reason why they invest with us is because their, you know, their child suffers from, from mental health or suffers from autism, um, you know, so many you know, amazing stories that you hear. And you know, and it, it makes me really, really proud to run something like this. It makes me really proud and I'm really passionate about the fact that, you know, it's helping people, not only just helping you in terms of getting, you know, some money so you can live on for the future, but also helping helping young people in Australia. Like it is it is it's twofold, you know, yeah. it's it's sort of that that dual purpose. And I I really think Australians I, 
I think we're all incredibly generous, but sometimes we just don't know how to do it. Mm. But we also, you know, we all need money to live and we're all hopefully going to retire at some point and, and enjoy life. So you do need you do need money to live on. You need your super. Um, so the the idea and the fact that we can be part of that is is really amazing. Yeah, it must be fascinating going on the road and just meeting so many people from across Australia. But on a, on a practical note, because um, we've talked about listed investment companies a few times on the show, but I don't think too recently. If people are interested in learning more, where should they go? I mean, there there are some many amazing websites about listed investment companies. You know, I mean, sort of the ASX website, or if you look at Wilson Asset Management, they have a guide to listed investment companies and exactly what they are. Or even on our website, Future Generation, um, we explain what they are. I mean, they're, they're closed pools of capital. So in a way, the way I explained it to um, one of my son's friends the other day was, you know, it's like investing in West Farmers. West Farmers manage, you know, lots of different companies and you're investing in in West Farmers and all the things they own. So they used to own Coles, of course, Bunnings, et cetera. And you're investing in their expertise for managing that. So for me, when I look at a list investment company, you know, you're investing in a number of fund managers that manage your money for you through other companies, if that mm. makes sense. So you buy, you buy a share of that. Um, and you can trade that. You can trade it on the ASX. And we're, we're, we're very lucky. So, for example, if you if you buy um, Future Generation Global or Future Generation Australia, um, Comsec also will actually give you back your brokerage, which is amazing because what we want is to make Future Generation accessible to all as possible. Um, I mean, I'm very happy to talk more about listed investment companies because I have become very passionate about them. <laughs> but I, I think... You know, it's it's a very long-term, less volatile way of investing, and I think that's really important. Yeah, absolutely. And you picked a good analogy because we did a deep dive into Wes Farmers and what it does recently on the finance podcast. So if listeners want to listen to that, I will link that in the show notes, and I'll link a few resources as well on listed investment companies if people want to learn more. But to wrap up today's conversation, what is the number one thing you'd want to leave listeners with to take away? I think that you need to you need to invest for you and I think if you can invest for the future and you can also invest for other people's future I think that 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 is amazing. Wonderful. Well, I'll include resources to everything we've mentioned today in the show notes as well as links to Future Generations website. So if you want to learn more about the fund managers and the organizations they support, you can look into everything yourself, all the information's there. It's very transparent. Caroline, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed it. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Australian Finance Podcast. We hope you learned something new and were able to take one thing away from this episode. If you're keen to learn more, head on over to Rask Education and take one of our free money and investing courses. You could even become a Rask Core member for less than your Netflix subscription each month. And don't forget to subscribe for new episodes in your inbox every week. Plus, if you enjoyed the show, we'd love you to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and send any questions our way via the link in the description. And before we go on, did this podcast contain personal financial advice just for me? 
Absolutely not, Kate. Our podcast actually contains general financial information only. What that means is the information does not take into account your financial needs, goals, objectives, or even your situation. So because of that, it's important that you consider if the information is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on it. If that all sounds a bit confusing or you're still working out what your needs are, it's a great idea to consult a licensed and trusted financial planner. And don't forget to do your own research. Are you thinking about starting your wealth creating journey, but not sure where to put your hard earned dollars? InvestSmart can help. InvestSmart offers a free quiz that makes it easy to find the right InvestSmart ETF portfolio to help you reach your goals. Just visit investsmart.com.au and hit get started. Answer a few simple questions about your goals and how much you want to invest and you'll get a tailored statement of advice with a portfolio recommendation. You can visit investsmart.com.au for a no obligations free statement of advice. This ad is brought to you by InvestSmart Advice, AFSL 334107. For more than a decade, I've been hunting for the best investors and their methods strategies, and tools for investing. After years in the industry, countless books, a few degrees, and 1,000 podcasts and live shows, I've rolled this accumulated knowledge into something called Rask Invest. If you've ever heard me talk about a core and a satellite, active and passive, true long-term compounding, or you simply want to know exactly how I would invest, now is your chance. Rask Invest is our new investment service. Designed for all types of investors who want professional management of their core portfolio at a low cost from a team they trust. Rask Invest helps you automate your wealth creation and passive income. Simply click the link that says invest with Owen in your podcast player to join one of our live platform walkthroughs or book a call with us. You can also view the Rask Invest PDS and TMD and get invested with me.